Do you like books? What about books that read to you? Not the books themselves. That would be interesting if books had voices. It would be like once upon a time. You don't know if the book, what what voices the books would have. Who, who knows? Sometimes the books are read by authors. Sometimes they're read by uh, voice actors. I've mentioned it before. The Martian's one of my favorite because the voice actor is pretty fantastic. Uh, but if you want to go investigate the world of spoken books or weird books with faces, I don't know what I'm talking about. AudibleTrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. Get your first ebook for free and then uh, pay monthly to get uh, as many ebooks as you can muster. So go ahead and do that thing. AudibleTrial.com slash D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. And that supports the channel. So let's get back to the show. Hello there. C-Note here. Welcome to summer. <laughs> There's birds outside. There's baby birds literally outside this window. So there's, it might be some background noise. I apologize for that. Um, my name is C-Note, a.k.a. Christian Rivera. Welcome to Dopamine. The show is mostly focused on INTPs, but I talk about growth, uh, giving advice, support, all of that fun stuff. And really the, the original purpose of this channel, this podcast, was for me to express myself. A few years ago, in uh, kind of mid-2017, I was trying to figure out a podcast or something I wanted to do, and I really felt like I was alone in my life, and I felt like I needed to start expressing myself. So I downloaded downloaded the app Anchor, and I started to... I created my own podcast, and I was just starting to record in between before and after work and at lunch and things like that, just sharing thoughts and putting things out there. Um, I was in a rough place and I felt like I needed to do that. So in essence, this, this video, this episode is kind of one of those kinds of things I need. I have some things that I want to share that hopefully can, can help you in your life. Um, but in essence, it's about what is so helpful about continuing to explore your personality type. And in a way, like there, there are challenges that come from, I think a lot of us feel uncomfortable with uncertainty. Um, some of us feel more comfortable with uncertainty. Uh, some, some even thrive in it. For me as an Enneagram one, I've never really thrived in uncertainty. I always try to find uh, some sort of answer to things. I'm always looking for, you know, what it, what is it, Right. And then when I feel compelled or when I feel like I have enough information, I can feel pretty set in it. It kind of locks in and I'm like, okay, this is the thing. But I know as an INTP that things are always changing. And then there have been a million times where I felt certain about something and then new information comes in and something changes. Uh, that can be about our personality type. That can be in the work that we do. That can be in our you know careers, relationships, and just continuously noticing things, right? And that's just part of being alive, right? We're like this moment is this moment. The only thing that can maybe be certain is how I describe this moment. Uh, but that's the moment's gone. We're moving on. It's the next thing, right? So certainty is a tricky game. And, you know, it's not lost on me that one of the most popular videos on my channel is about, or I should say the most popular video on my channel as of this recording is called, are you really an INTP? 
and it's about the exploration and search and and some answers as to what it's like to be an INTP for other INTPs to experience an INTP, which is me, and to learn from someone who's had experience meeting a bunch of other INTPs and having a YouTube channel where I talk about or talk to and talk about INTPs all the time. And, um, you know, I still think that's better than taking a test that's uh, reading descriptions, getting to know other people, experiencing them, experiencing other INTPs and getting to know that the ways that we think and also getting to know other personality types and the ways that they think so that we can say, oh, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. For INTPs in particular, you know, I think the best way to learn your personality type is to learn about other personality types, again, to so that you can start to eliminate. That's really what we do better as INTPs is eliminate versus select, right? Usually we select based on no more logic existing around why that thing could be the thing or not the thing, if that makes sense, right? So it's like you eliminate the thing that's left is the thing. Uh, that's just, that's got to be it, right? Uh, but as we go through life, new information shows up and suddenly this thing is called into question. That could be your identity. That could be your personality type. That could be sexuality. That could be your career. That could be your relationship. That could be your relationship to your humanity. That could be a spiritual relationship, religion, your family, any number of things, um, or even just theories, uh, ideas about the universe, right? Like what we understand about everything now is just what we understand about everything now. We just simply don't know that things could or could not change. Um, and so one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because I suspect that I'm actually a social one in the Enneagram and not a sexual one. Now I'm not sure. I'm still exploring. Um, but some things came to light for me, and which is funny because like over the last few podcasts and episodes, I was kind of dealing with the fallout of potentially being a sexual one. And I realized that I've had such a visceral reaction to that because I may actually be a social one and may be concerned with how that looks or how that feels or how that's perceived for someone's judgment of what it means to be a sexual one, having that cast onto me. Um, so if you don't know much about Enneagram One or anything like that, there's a couple podcast episodes I've done recently kind of sharing some of my recent evolution up to this point. Um, but really, one of the reasons I think I'm more of a social one versus a sexual one is like, first of all, I'm more so driven to kick on this camera and talk than I am to write in a journal or to um, uh, or, or to, you know, do any of the other Enneagram type things. <laughs> um, there's a long history of me so, uh, trying to present myself as perfect in my own way as an INTP versus just being ragey. Uh, I've got plenty of ragey in me and I've been that I've been, I've done plenty of that on Twitter actually. Um, but over the course of my life, there's a lot of nodes that kind of lit up once I started to explore this. So the reasons that I got to this point is that I was listening to Enneagram 2.0 podcast with Aranio Paez and, and Beatrice Chestnut. And, um, they did this podcast episode about mistypes when it comes to the Enneagram. And I, they, they got to Enneagram one and they said that social ones highly relate to fives. And I still very much highly relate to fives. Um, 
in terms of energy usage, uh, valuing information, kind of being more of an intellectual type. I do enjoy learning, though I learn for necessity, like to execute on something or to do something. Fives tend to just want to learn for the sake of it. And fives have more of a uh, scarcity relationship to energy, whereas I don't necessarily have that. But I, because I'm an INTP and a social one, possibly, I burn out my energy like real hot and real fast, right? Because of the impulse to be a social example, I, um, you know, I, I'm willing to put myself out there or put myself on the highest perch that I can find. And all of that energy usage and all of that attention really burns me out really quickly. So realizing that was really interesting because then all these little things in my life kind of started to light up the same way that it did when I started to explore the sexual subtype. But I realized that as I explored the sexual subtype for Enneagram 1, that I was kind of ignoring the social subtype. It was almost like it kind of skirted under the radar. And once I started to look that up, I started to realize that, um, like, oh, this is even more prominent than <laughs> more prominent and more unconscious and more under the surface. Even in little things like, um, you know, when I get in my car or, or drive into my parking lot at home, and it's it's like later at night, you know, our parking lot is like adjacent to our building and there's apartments right there and there's usually windows open. And I like to listen to my music loud in the car. But when I pull up, I make sure I turn down the radio. I have all sorts of social considerations that I take into account to make sure that I'm demonstrating how I would like others to be. Like if somebody pulled up to my apartment window, I would love for them to uh, to turn, turn it down and not be too loud and all these things, right? Again, it's subjective based on me and what I want to demonstrate as an example. Um, one of the biggest notes for me in my past is that in 2017, I went through a divorce and I was in San Diego for seven years. I spent a long time there. And the reason I moved to San Diego in retrospect is that I wanted to elevate myself above my peer group in Philadelphia, where I'm from. So I moved to basically try to show that I'm moving forward, I'm moving on, I can create this vision of a life that looks perfect on the surface, right? As long as you don't get too close, <laughs> it can look great. You know, it's like the castle in the distance looks nice and shiny, but once you get close, you'll start to notice the blemishes. Um, so I started to create this this life elsewhere in San Diego. Uh, you know, I, I found uh, what I perceived to be uh, the perfect wife and the perfect house and location and good job. And uh, I worked in the film industry and I did all these things that like looked really good on paper or looked really good for, uh, make me look good, you know, <laughs> based on my perception of those, uh, uh, you know, in my past. And I think that's been the hardest part for me to accept is that I do very much care what other people think. Um, that's been hard for me to admit with this channel. I do care what other INTPs think of me in terms of being an authority or, or in terms of um, sharing my story or making an impact or anything like that. And then secondly, I started to realize that I have insecurities around a sense of authority because in my past, I've tried to manufacture a sense of authority in so many different situations. So instead of actually going and earning the credentials of something, I just found a way to sort of insert myself into a situation in which 
I become the expert in something, right? So in the case of, and I might be uh, shooting myself in the foot here, but in the case of Myers-Briggs, I don't have any certifications or the Enneagram, or I don't have any certifications or mental health. I don't have any certifications. But the thing that's actually been different is that I've been able to talk about my story in relation to those things. And I think that does give me some sense of authority. But in other things that I've tried in the past, I've basically tried to insert myself into different industries, like trying to start my own businesses uh, with no with no substance. I've tried to start a gaming company before. I've tried to start an art uh, curation business. I've tried to start all sorts of different things where I would get really fascinated by creating the, the, like the logo, the look, the vibe, but then there was no substance. As Molly calls it, there was no cheese in the mozzarella stick. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, I noticed a pattern of me doing that over time. You know, like dopamine is the thing I've put the most time and effort and substance into, even though it's been, you know, inconsistent by the standards of trying to like make money and stuff like that. It's consistent in it being a personal expression. And that's really what's allowed me to create new substance. So when I left in 2017, when I left my life and I changed everything, I'd kind of reached the peak of social perception. And I realized how much I was denying myself of what I actually wanted in terms of a relationship, a quality of life, jobs, like that sort of thing. Like everything was like coming to a head where I couldn't maintain the facade anymore. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like creating a cardboard cutout of the life that I want, but then like behind it is just, you know, you can tell it's cardboard from within. And uh, so when my partner Molly came along and this opportunity to like live more of the life that I actually authentically wanted, and I had created enough distance socially from people who I was like concerned about their, the way that I was perceived that I was able to just make the choice that I wanted for myself, which was to move to Rochester, New York and to be with Molly and to start really put more attention into dopamine and, um, you know, personality type stuff and, and, and do more of what I authentically wanted to do. So it, in a sense, you know, my, my one-to-one instinct or my instinct for my desires for what I actually wanted overrode finally you know, my fear and concern of what things would look like if I had given into those things in the first place. I hope any of this is making some sort of sense. So this is just relative to my story. And that's all I can do is really share my story. But um, again, the reasons that I came across potentially being social one is that um, that podcast episode and, um, uh, and just all of these stories starting to light up related to being a social one. Um, so, you know, social ones about perception. It's about looking like the perfect person. It's even like how that's translated into my life lately is like letting go of all of those image related things. Right. So even just like having the background here as not as intense as I would probably want it, I'm just like letting it go. Right. Um, not dressed up too much or uh, no script. You know, just kind of like trying to, the camera clicked. I hope it's, yeah, it's still good. We're still good. Um, I'm worried about, I'm no longer worried about um, perception as much as I used to be. 
even when going out in public these days, I'm, I'm letting myself be a little bit more raggedy. Whereas in the past I would dress pretty much like business casual everywhere. Um, I was, you know, trying to kind of fit into a men's style sort of archetype and demonstrate how other men should dress or look. And, uh, you know, I'm letting go of a lot of those things. So to reel it back into this idea of continuing to explore your personality type is that the exploration itself yields the rewards, not necessarily the, um, the certainty of it. Right. So the exploration continues to have you say like, okay, I'm this thing or, or this is the answer for now. And I think a lot of INTPs, we understand that as, as introverted thinkers, um, I think we understand that general idea of holding information or paradoxes or, or whatever for a long period of time. Uh, another inspiration for this video has been, um, has been the uh, podcast episode that just came out from my friends at Personality Hacker about uh, paradoxes of personality. I think it's called Personality and Paradoxes is the name of the episode. And with introverted thinking, you know, we're holding information uh, about something, about various things in this mosaic of understanding. And um, the challenge, and a challenge with a lot of introverts in general, is like having to pick one of those things to put out into the world or a, a multitude of those things to put into a project or to put into to work or to have a sense of certainty about something. And uh, the reason I'm focusing kind of on certainty is because it doesn't matter either way, whether or not something is certain or uncertain, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like, like get to know that for myself in a lot, a lot of ways. Um, so it, it doesn't matter if I'm social dominant or sexual dominant when it comes to the Enneagram instincts, it's what those things are telling me or revealing about myself that are important. Right. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if I have a certainty that I can go up to someone and say, yeah, I'm this, 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 and this, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with saying like, I'm still exploring this or there's, um, this is what I've learned from this possible exploration as opposed to saying I'm this and that means that. Right. And sometimes that's, you know, the tricky thing about identity is like, I've done a recent uh, episode on this channel about identity and INTPs and, you know, static identities or perceptions of static identities have been probably one of the most dangerous things in human history or can escalate into those things. And uh, I'm not saying that a collection of INTPs may become something dangerous, but it's the idea of being dynamic and fluid and ever growing and ever changing. So for me as a social dominant, it's like I'm potentially a social dominant. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning new things all the time about myself, including that piece, the social piece. What does that mean? And I'm probably going to come across other systems that may tell me other things about myself. Um, there's another system. I forget what it's actually called, but there's a, uh, I think it's like a, yeah, I totally forgot what it's called, but it's about sort of like your method of achievement in a way. Um, there's different types. It's like the mechanic, the archetype. If you probably just search for like mechanic and archetype, you can probably find it. But, you know, I found that I'm the creator in that 
in that system. And uh, that makes sense. I like to just make stuff. And um, with this social dominant discovery, I'm sort of realizing that my desire to be sort of the top of the social perch, to be above being human in a way, is preventing me from just making stuff. I just want to make what I want to make. Sometimes it's enabling me. But like in the past, you know, I I would be so fixated on creating the facade of something that when it came time to making the stuff, I wanted to move on and make other stuff. Um, Instead of focusing on creating something and then letting that blossom into something that I could call something, that I could dress something around, right? So I basically, in a way, been doing something and doing it in reverse of my natural instinct. My natural instinct is to just make stuff. So something I'm testing right now is that I create these little, I don't have any examples around me, but I create these little abstract drawings um, that I want to put onto t-shirts. You know, like this is just my dopamine logo on the t-shirt, but in the future I want to have, I just want to, you know, put those abstract things on t-shirts. And I'm, I was telling Molly about it and she's like, don't, try to give it a name. Don't try to give a series the name or create a new website or do all that stuff. Cause that's just, what's going to end up being distracting. You're going to be trying to make yourself, uh, you know, the best t-shirt maker <laughs> instead of just making the thing. Right. And I think that's what I'm working on for myself is just trying to just make the damn thing that I want to make. Um, and not trying to, use the thing that I'm making as a way to increase my social clout, right? And it's not social clout in the same way that like I'm chasing likes and stuff like that. It's not, it's not that kind of thing. It's more so, um, it's more so authority. It's, it's being seen as like the expert or the go-to person, right? So in a lot of ways, having this channel feels like a paradox of that. And, I'm struggling with feeling whether or not it's okay to continue uh, having this channel sometimes. I'm trying to figure out if that's been good for me, if that's actually good for you. Um, I think that's been really helpful for people. So it's like there are positives. You know, I'm not trying to beat myself up about it. I'm, I'm not – my ego fixation or my super ego fixation is not something that's evil or anything like that. It's just something that's gotten in my own way. And I'm trying to find that balance of how do I actually use this thing in a focused, positive way that is helpful. Uh, I recently watched the movie Invictus, and um, Nelson Mandela is a social one. Um, I think he's social, self-prez, sexual repressed. And the... The movie was was great, and I related to him as a personality, not necessarily his his epicness in terms of what he did for for recent history in the last thirty years. But uh, in terms of his demonstration of you know how to behave uh, and setting the example, not necessarily going out there and trying to just like talk people into better behavior, but through a series of demonstrations, either through himself or the soccer team or the people that worked with him, um, and then creating this like chain reaction. That's in a lot of ways what I've wanted to do with dopamine. I kind of talked about reforming INTPs, but in a way that's, that's, 
I'm wanting to do it less in a way that's about talking because I, I think I'm, I do like talking. I do like figuring, like sharing this stuff, but um, it's more about demonstrating and sharing this sort of vulnerable, more podcast episode kind of thing um, is part of that demonstration. And a lot of the videos that I've talked about in terms of um, how to think about personality or how to explore your own personality is largely in essence, trying to demonstrate um, a better approach to this sort of thing. You know, um, I think recently, recently I watched an interview between sad guru and uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, which was an interesting conversation. And at one point, sad guru said that, um, if you're more connected to being human, to being, uh, to your humanity, to others, humanity, to your connection to nature, understanding that your lungs are tied to trees and that you breathe what they take in and they breathe what you take in and start to see this like system thinking symbiotic relationship with this stuff, then there's really no more need for the idea of morality or ethics or anything like that, that you simply become human. And I think that's something that I'm learning for myself as a one is like how to be human. Um, Molly and I have been watching, ironically, this series on Netflix called human. It's about sort of like looking at the body as a system and understanding the different nodes in the human body system. And I realized that I'm not typically an anxious person, but I've recently noticed that I get anxious related to self-preservation things. So I'm self-preservation repressed in the Enneagram sequence. So repressed instinct basically means it's something that you don't really pay much attention to, uh, consciously at least. And, um, I'm trying to make that part of me more conscious. Like I'm trying to take care of my needs and I'm trying to drink water when I need to drink water. So I'm noticing that when I have a self-preservation need, whatever that may be, I start to build resentment in my brain. I start to feel kind of angry I, and not in the kind of hangry way. It's because it's not just about hunger. It's like any self-preservation need. I start to feel irritable. And I realized while watching this series that I've had a history of, feeling anxious or uncomfortable when watching anything related to the internals of the human body. And the series is fascinating, but I find myself being anxious the entire time looking at the heart and blood vessels and the brain and the brain to brain's connection to the heart and the brain's connection to the gut and the brain's connection to neurons and white blood cells, red blood cells, all of the, you know, the digestive system, all of the things that make us a human being and an actual organic system. And I realized that part of my anxiety related to that is that as a one, I kind of have this super ego relationship to myself in that being reminded that I'm human is actually a threat to my self-preservation. <laughs> or reminding myself that I'm human feels like a threat to my self-preservation because in my mind, I'm sort of like above the idea of being human. 
it sounds wild. It sounds narcissistic. It sounds crazy. Um, but it's all unconscious. You know, it's very Spock-like. Like Spock is a one. And he's a very self-preservation one, very controlled. You know, he's, it's about controlling himself for himself. And just it's not about necessarily for that character being uh, perfect, like, uh, like, like showing perfection. But it's like being logical, being perfect, being, you know, controlled, disciplined. And um, I think it was season two of Star Trek Discovery kind of explored younger Spock and uh, all of that, like some push and pull there. And I related so much to that version of Spock and to like, once I got to know that character a little bit more, I, I relate to so many of those things. So here's another way to think about it, I guess, to share. Um, it's described in the Enneagram that like, as you know, we're sort of like essence in a, in a way it's like, you can think of it as a soul or a spirit or, you know, whatever consciousness, whatever it is outside of this idea of a fleshy form. Right. Um, it's the, it's, it's kind of like the Christian idea of falling from grace. Like, you know, when you're born, you fall from heaven and to become a human and all of that stuff. And the Enneagram is like kind of depicting how far you've fallen. And for ones, the idea of a one is like you fall us, you've fallen the furthest from God in a sense, in a way that you yourself feel like you can do better than God. <laughs> um, uh, and by you, I mean me, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's why ones are so fixated on what could be better or what, you know, perfection, quote unquote, right? It's always like, um, nothing is good enough. And for me, I've been learning to accept good enough in my work, in my relationship, in my dwelling, my new life. That's, I mean, new, it's been around for four years, but it's still relatively new compared to the rest of my life. This like modern era of life is largely about accepting this, 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 this good enough of everything. That doesn't mean it's low quality. It just means it's like, I can accept it and I can accept myself. There isn't something wrong or missing. Um, there isn't something that could be better. There's always things that could be better, but it's like, it's not always my problem and it shouldn't always be, be my problem. It's kind of like the idea of always noticing grammatical errors. It's like, that's such a, you don't need to use that brain space all the time. Does it really matter? I mean, ultimately, I don't think it matters. Um, and it's not about nihilism either. It's just letting go. I think for me, it's like I'm learning to let go. So I kind of use this as an excuse to talk about myself a little bit. But it's really about why the continued exploration is so important. You know, there isn't, there isn't a state of done. There, there isn't a beam me up moment, right? <laughs> there isn't this state of personal growth where it's like, all right, you've ticked all the boxes. Now you're going to get sucked out of your body and you're going to go up to heaven or go up to a spaceship or whatever, right? <laughs> like That's not the idea. Um, you're done when you're dead. And you don't always have to be getting 
quote unquote better. Um, you know, but we use these systems to try to understand or even to forgive ourselves and to be able to just make the best choices that we can for ourselves. What's been helpful about continuing to explore this stuff for me is like now I feel I feel I do have a little bit of a sense of forward motion. I feel like I can now ask myself honestly, what do I want? Now that question's still really hard to answer, but now that I'm aware of my um of of my fixation or my focus on the idea of trying to build a facade, what can I do instead of that? Like, what do I want that isn't that? You know, even recently I went to a flea market and I was like, they're selling a lot of cool stuff here. I would love to sell my photos here. I'm like, no, don't get there. Just focus on taking photos, focus on making art, focus on, you know, doing the thing, make the cheese instead of just trying to make all this breading. <laughs> right. Uh, so I mean, that's me and that's my story. And that's why, um, that's, that's all I could talk about. I can't, I can't tell you your story. Uh, you know that, and it's for you to explore. And that's, that's the challenge as like a YouTuber that's doing Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and growth stuff is I get a lot of questions of like, what do I do? I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, I can help you. I help people with coaching and I listen and I try to provide um, suggestions. But it's ultimately up to you to experiment as to what works or what makes sense or finding what the thing is right now and then continue to explore anyway. You know, as INTPs, the growth path or at least one of the emergent um you know singular entry points into growth for an intp is that exploration function that extroverted intuition function and that means knowing things and then going somewhere else <laughs> or feeling like you know something and then having the humility to go somewhere else and then come back and say like, oh, maybe this isn't the thing. All right. Well, that's not a measure. That's not a judgment on my personal worth or my intelligence or whatever. It's just I just didn't notice that other thing before. And now that makes sense that that's better than this thing or that fits better than this thing. So when I was discovering my social dominant stuff, potentially social dominant stuff, um, I was embarrassed. I was like, I just put out all this content about possibly being a sexual one. Um, and now I have to go on there and say that I'm not that. And I doubt anyone's really keeping track. It really doesn't matter. Um, and I think I just wanted to flip it into something that is a demonstration of being willing to adapt and adjust and respond to emergent awareness within yourself if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. So I, I don't know what else I have to say about it all. I hope this makes sense. I hope this is helpful in some sort of way, uh, because I was just really talking about myself, <laughs> but hopefully this is at least interesting. Um, if you have questions, 
informationally because I know I just like made a bunch of leaps in terms of talking about instincts and Enneagram and stuff like that. If you need me to explain something, ask questions, maybe I can put it into a video in the future. Uh, you know, as for the future of dopamine, that's always a question that's up in the air. Uh, I, I'm always trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, if this is something that's getting in the way of doing some things that I want to do, or if it's actually helping. Um, but one of the things I do want to focus on is productivity for INTPs. That's been like kind of my best selling thing on my course pages. Um, and it's been helpful to so many people, uh, the, some of the people that have signed up and, uh, I'm really proud of that course in particular because, as I mentioned with like this picking the thing or like sub INTPs really thrive in that uncertainty place and want to keep learning and want to stay there. And, um, you know, this productivity course helps you to kind of get your ideas out into the world in a way that's not betraying yourself, right? It's not about putting something out there and then therefore that negates all of the other thoughts that you have. You can hold multiple things at once. So I think it's, it's unique to have a course about INTP productivity from an INTP who has been productive my entire life um, and has put a lot of work into this channel and into these courses and stuff like that. So it's basically teaching you my ways. So if you're interested in that, let me know if you have questions specifically about productivity and maybe some videos that I could do about that related to INTPs. I would love to be able to do that for you. Um, so, so that's it in regards to this entire madness of a topic, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of feeling this anxiousness, this, this fear of judgment a little bit. Um, but I know you guys are supportive. I appreciate you for being here, for listening to me talk. Um, and for, you know, being along on this ride with me, I really, really appreciate it. So dopeintp.com. I am at let's go see notes on all the social channels and that's really it. So with all the love in the world, take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. I love you. Okay, bye-bye. My name is Michael. I just had a profiling session with CNotes and I really loved it. Uh, I actually have been struggling for a long time, hesitating between INTP and INFP. So getting an expert point of view from outside was critical for me. Uh, I really felt in good hands. Uh, I was able to get rid of any doubts I had. I was able to ask any questions and that was really a game changer for me. Uh, overall, I'm really happy with how the session was set up and very happy with the results as well. So I highly recommend working with him um, and I want you to thank him again. It was totally worth it.